That's in the Bible, episode 30. Where did Cain get his wife? Subtitled, What's in a Generation? Or does Steve have wings? Hearts with fear, freedoms we all hold dear. Now is that stake? Humbling your hearts to God. Sage from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod. Christians awake. Jesus is... Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric and uh, good to have you back as we hit episode... 3-0, and uh, who who knew that when we started we would be getting to, to 3-0? That was back when Matt and I had uh, decided to do this program, and because we weren't even sure if we would ever get to episode 2, we were really kind of pretending to uh, just to be two average uh, guys uh, in the studio, and, uh, and Matt started calling me Eric about that time, didn't you, Matt? I did. And so we kind of just grew from there, and then we couldn't get out of it. We couldn't thought, now how do we get back to Dad? <laughs> so, but we talked about it before we came on air, and so I'm officially Dad again. It just doesn't feel natural calling you Eric. Uh, that's like, good. That's right, Jim. I had always wondered about that. I just I wasn't going to say anything though, being new. <laughs> that's right, Junior. It doesn't. So we're back to where we we should be. And <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Call you a senior. That's that's right. That's good. You can do that. So the title today is Where Did Cain Get His Wife? Steve, of course, likes the more appropriate and uh, sophisticated sounding What's in a Generation? And uh, Matt's the one that wanted to throw into Steve Have Wings because he wanted to help him with his ratings. <laughs> yeah, I want Such more a, people to listen to him. <laughs> Such abuse I take. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Oh, well, here we are again. We're just going to dispense with the quote of the day. We're going to have a little fun here at the beginning at uh, Steve's expense. And uh, <laughs> then we'll get into our lesson today. But actually, where did King get his wife? I have to admit that uh, a few years back when uh, Steve took me under his wing and uh, decided to uh, disciple me. He does have wings. Against his will. He... Uh, <laughs> This is one of the studies that uh, that he showed. That he showed me. He actually drew it all out and had stuff all over the floor and big charts and everything. And he was really going to town with it. It was a good one. Remember that, Steve? Uh, vaguely, but uh, it's been yeah. something I've done. I'm glad off it was on. momentous for you too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> glad well, it meant something for you I, as it did me. Here we go. Uh, I did volunteer to disciple you, but little did I realize what I was getting myself into when I did it. So that's right. You it was it was myself and Roger, right? Roger at the time, and then his brother came for a while, and Hardy came for a while, and and uh, um, had a good time. Really yeah. enjoyed ourselves. It was fun, but this was one of the ones. You know, where did King get his wife? A lot of people ask. You know, so they they throw it up like they're gonna really stump you with it, and. Um, so it was good, and I think it'll be an interesting topic for today. I hope so. Despite what Pastor Strobel and Matt say. <laughs> Always the antagonist. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Thank you. <laughs> Short I'm just going to put, I'm gonna put that on a uh, recording clip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just press the button. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what? I I'm could just I'll just put it on my computer here and I'll flip it in like the crickets and stuff. <laughs> we'll just wait till you're done. Then. <laughs> it's like Do we're all just, till. <laughs> I'll just I'll give you an update from last time. Um, I did ask you guys to pray for the uh, church planning helping endeavor that we were doing. Uh, we did get together with some folks in um, downtown Rochester. And I uh, had a good number of uh, men that went down to, to pass out uh, invitations, starting with a Bible study. We were right in the area where um, this man hopes to plant the church, and, and things went well. We had some real good contacts there. And then um, this past week, uh, just uh, just about a week ago, I was in a prison revival at uh, a local um, facility. We had good services there. had four of us that uh, had the opportunity to preach um, just a very good spirit there, good uh, good preaching, good singing as well. We had good congregational singing, good special music that was uh, brought in, and uh, just a lot of liberty to preach. Um, and then after the last preacher preached, they gave an invitation. We had uh, a number of men come forward. Um, six of them uh, made professions of faith, I believe, for the first time. I actually had a chance to deal with a couple of them, and, and both of them wanted to come and get saved, but one of them had already been saved, and sometimes people like that get a little bit under conviction, and just they don't, they're not feeling confident in their relationship with the Lord, and um, so we try to bring them into assurance of salvation, so we kind of dealt with one like that, and then one who said he had never uh, been saved before, never had asked the Lord to save him, and um, and he did, and uh, he, was an old, uh, he wasn't ancient, but he was, an, he was up in years more so than the rest of the crowd, and so... Um, Better late than never, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. How about you, Steve? What have you been up to? Well, um, you know, pretty much the same. Just you know, working and and trying to be a witness and testify of, of Jesus Christ and saving grace. Um, I've got one more week to go on my uh, church history that I've been doing at our church um, on Wednesday nights, and uh, last year we were doing it, you know, once a month. And uh, the pastor decided, uh, just for continuity's sake, at the beginning of the year to do it every week on a Wednesday night so that kind of keep things flowing and people remember what's, uh, what was taking place. And, and uh, so got one more, one more session and, and uh, really enjoyed that. It's really been an eye-opener for me. Uh, it's something that I've always wanted to do and, and always kind of let it slip by the wayside, uh, being busy with other things. But um, uh, glad for the opportunity to go through our history and, and uh, the heritage of, of the Baptist people and what they went through that we might have the, the freedoms that we have now, although they're being eroded away gradually. Uh, but yet we still have the freedom to preach uh, without them telling us what we can preach. Um, and we have a freedom to meet. And uh, so those are our blessings that we have because of, of uh, a heritage of, of Christian people, Baptist people, that, that uh, basically wouldn't take no for an answer. And uh, in spite of persecution and uh, hardship, uh, they persevered through through it all and and uh, uh, got it right through the through the governmental systems so that the, the first amendment to the constitution gives us that right and that freedom so amen. praise the lord for that amen amen, amen. and junior i mean matthew <laughs> how, about, how about things there 
Uh, everything's going good. We uh, we went, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but we were going street preaching at the St. Patty's Day Parade, and we went there, and uh, just just so many you know, mounds of people out there. And, and before the parade started, we were able to uh, preach a little bit, and uh, it's the best. You know, at the football games here, people are walking past us at a pretty good pace, but uh, these people can't move. So we're, uh, you know, we preach at one corner for, you know, 10 minutes, and uh, and there you know there's hundreds of people waiting for the uh, parade to start on the on the sidewalks and and so we'd go down to another corner and preach to uh, those people down there and, and just hit a bunch of corners so it was it was good there was four of us out there and and uh, between the four of us we were able to get um, about three thousand gospel tracks out and and uh, so that went really well and <clears throat> talked to some really good uh, uh, you know people that were really interested in in the word of God and about salvation and and uh, younger people my age and uh, really that those are the easiest uh, I believe uh, mostly to be able to witness to them and and because their their hearts aren't hardened as much yet and uh, so so it was a good time we went there and and, uh, and actually I had a kind of a um, there's been a girl calling me for about a week now at the uh, Empire Visions because I had to go pick up uh, contacts and uh, I was just kind of you know, putting it off, putting it off and being lazy. And, uh, and actually it was a pretty good thing, I guess, that I did that because she'd call me about every other, every other day and, uh, she'd get my voicemail. My voicemail is a, a salvation message. And, uh, so I went in there and, you know, I just said a couple words. I said, you know, my name's Matt Sutton. Can I pick up my contacts? And look, just, uh, you know, I, this must have been the Lord because there was four other girls at the desk and I went up there and the one girl that was helping me, said, oh, yeah, I remember your voice. And she's like, oh, I remember your message very well, very well. And I said, oh, yeah, praise the Lord, you know. A gospel track, and, and I handed it to her, and it's, it's a chick track, Flight 144. And, uh, and she's like, what is this? And I said, oh, this is a gospel track. It's, it's you know, about uh, the Bible and how you can go to heaven. And she said, oh, no, 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 I, I don't want that, you know. And, and I said, well, you know, why not? And she said, oh, I'm, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I know all that. I know all that. And I just kind of looked at her, kind of dumbfounded, like, you know, you don't really know all of that. And and so that she said it, too. She's like, well, okay, I don't know all of it. <laughs> I didn't even say anything. <laughs> and, uh, but she wouldn't accept the gospel track, but uh, just, I just pray that she gets uh, gets saved from uh, from at least, or, you know, at least uh, wants to learn more and hopefully get saved eventually. So That's pretty good. <laughs> I bet you everybody's heard that, your uh, answering machine in that office by now. Yeah, probably, definitely. Like, listen to this. Listen to this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how long is it? It's at least a minute. It's a pretty long time. No, nobody, everybody that calls me now, they just hang up. Even my family and friends, they all just hang up. They don't want to leave me any messages because <laughs> they don't want to go through it all. Well, Even you, Dad. You know, if, if you're in a hurry, it's, <laughs> it's sometimes difficult to. Uh, there should be a little thing where, you know, click yes, I'm saved. Click and, and <laughs> yeah, you go right to the message one. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you can't hear it enough, huh? Well, just in case you're not saved, Dad. Well, it doesn't hurt. That's right. So it's good to hear it again. So what else is new for the good of the cause? <laughs> Got them this time. I don't cue those crickets. We keep right outside the studio window here, and all I do is I shake the jar a little bit, and there they go. <laughs> Oh man, you're in a mood. You <laughs> might now. So Eric, what have you been doing? Now that it's warmer. Let's put it that way. Eric, what have you been doing? I've been uh, having eye surgery. 
eye surgery. I want to tell to us see a little bit about eyes. that. <laughs> it's not a pretty story. I think I didn't. I talk about it last time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Either. Yeah. Anyway, you just you just appreciate your eyes uh, that you can see out of them until you something happens and there's problems. And uh, apparently, when you uh, get to be a bit older, as I am, and you are also nearsighted, the, the eye doctor said nearsighted people have a sixty percent chance of having problems like this, where the retina starts to detach. <clears throat> and so, what they are able to do now is they have a laser that shoots into the back of your eye and kind of like solders your retina back onto your back of your eye. And theoretically, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not convinced because uh, I've been there three times now, and he kills still still keeps soldering it on. How big is the retina? You know what I mean? It's not that big. Hey, it spends about 20 minutes each time. It and the and the thing about this light is so bright. Like he's like, look straight up, look uh, you know to the left at 11 o'clock, and and after about. Three minutes of this light going in your eye, and that's all you can see. I don't know where I'm looking. I could be, I could be looking at my nose. I have no idea where I'm looking because there's no reference anymore. It's, but he, he has these, like these little thimbles with a little hooks on the end, like little meat hooks, and he pries your eyelid open, and he takes this glass oh, man. thing. You're, that, you're killing everybody. Nobody's going to go to the eye yeah. doctor now. Shoots the laser through, and and for the most part, it's it's not painful. <laughs> For the first five minutes, it's not painful. <laughs> Does this mean we can get you an eye patch, like patch the pirate? You know, I was thinking, forget forget the laser, just give me a patch. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, that's what that's what I've been up to. I've been trying to see out of my eye. So I'm done. Well, if you do get a patch, we got to change your picture on the front page. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. It'll look good. Yeah, I'm going to change yours on the front page. (laughs) (laughs) He's in a mood today. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, that's the story there. So that's kind of what I've been up to. So, uh, and healthcare passed. I know, Steve, you were excited about that. Oh, yes. More taxes. (laughs) Yeah, where's healthcare? Violating the law, going against, uh, you know, I know they say they have provision with this, was it, well, they call it restitution? Is that what they call it? I don't know. Whatever, whatever that procedure was to for them to do what they're doing. But uh, still there's, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder if it's really a representative government. Um. You know, I understand that the the representative can make a decision for his own for himself, but he's really subject to his constituents. And uh, you know, I'm sure it depends on the area, but from what I've been hearing, most of the constituents are against this uh, health care plan, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, they're ignoring <clears throat> the will of the people, and. Um, uh, we'll see what happens when the midterm election comes up. You know, it's always the same story. Everybody wants to clean house of you know the house or the house of representatives and the senators when the when the election comes up. But it's always the same story. Everyone wants everybody else to clean up their house except their guy. They want to keep their guy in, 
And what happens with that? We all end up with the same people, so and the same problems. And you, and you can't help but feel that these um, elected officials uh, that vote this stuff in somehow I don't see them waiting in the long lines for this uh, this socialized medicine that that'll be coming around the corner. It's not going to affect them, you know. No. And what did no, I hear? I, I heard on the news today as I was driving in, into to work that uh, today marks a milestone. Today was now officially the first day where Social Security is paying out more than they, they took in or taking in. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, I think that doesn't bode well. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, especially where we're, we're coming up. I mean, a few years away, but still we're, we're approaching the time when... Uh, should the Lord tarry, we're we're here to collect it, and, and um, uh, there probably won't be anything left for us to collect. So that brings to to pass that we really must trust in the Lord mm-hmm. and live by faith instead of trusting in the government. And, Amen. And uh, that's so. it. Another incident happened along with this stuff that reminded me of a good uh, Bible verse. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace into the hearers. And um, our vice president, who I, if I understand right, is a good Roman Catholic, uh, made, a, made a gaffe with his good Roman Catholic tongue. I heard about that. That uh, was uh, less than um, pure communication. It would qualify as corrupt communication. I just think that's a, that's a bad testimony. I'm certainly anybody could, certain anybody could do that, but my... Uh, when it when you get on a public stand like that and and it leaks out, um, it, it's going all over the world, and it'll just it'll just uh, go viral, as they say on the internet mm. and elsewhere. That's uh, well, a shame. I'd like to see our public officials talk a little more clean, and yeah. and, and 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 I'd like to see Christians talk a little bit more clean. Yeah, sure everybody gets tempted. Everybody gets tempted and gets frustrated, but um, our speech are, is important uh, to the Lord. Amen. Amen. What, what well, do you I, think? What are you thinking, though, as a as a public official, knowing that there's all kinds of microphones right there and television cameras and to 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 swear? He just he's excited, and the Bible says, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh." So there you go. Well, I've understood that he has a bit of a loose cannon anyway, um, but you know. <laughs> still that filthy communication coming out of your mouth it's like you said it's 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 not good you know i also heard and i couldn't quote it for for verbatim but al sharpton was was adding his two cents on in the approval of uh, o- uh obama's uh health care plan and all this kind of stuff and he he called uh the, the plan a socialist plan and that mm. uh, president obama was fulfilling what the people elected him to do was to create a socialist state or something along oh, that wow. line. Something very, very. I, I'm. It, it may not be verbatim, but it is extremely, extremely close. Well, that doesn't surprise me. That's that's sharp, and he lives in his own little dream world. Yeah, but convi- I mean, it wasn't just him. It was a few other people that said the same thing. I think Biden had some some statement very similar to that. That was talking about a socialist uh, uh, agenda, socialist medicine, and all that kind of stuff. Right, and there certainly is. But the thing about it, what I meant, I guess, in regard to Sharpton, was when he says he was. Did you say he said he was fulfilling the will of the people? 
Is that how you, is that how you said well, it? Well, when they voted in um, uh, Obama as the president, they were voting in a socialist um, right. you know, president to, to fulfill a socialist agenda. Yeah. That was the gist of what he was trying to say. Right. Well, there's a lot of truth in that, but but if that's his vision of what he thinks this country wants, that's his own, he's in his own little dream world. Yeah. Well, which I mean, may turn into our voted, nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. Amen. But I don't think a lot of people that voted for uh, Obama really were voting for a socialist president. Uh, I think that they were just well, they were just looking for change and didn't realize it was going to be as much change as what they thought. And, and let me just interject this. You know, we have had as a country. Um, a lot of socialist practices for years. Oh yeah, and and quite frankly, a lot of us like it. Um, mm. When we fill it out, fill out our income taxes, and they give us uh, money back for an earned income credit or an additional t- child tax credit, somebody's paying that. Mm-hmm. They're just mm-hmm. redistributing the wealth. Mm-hmm. So that's socialism, as I understand it, mm-hmm. and uh, we. <laughs> We we kind of like it when we get that money, <laughs> but that's the the dangerous thing is everything else that goes along with it. Yeah. Amen. Well, the more government we get into our lives and taking over things, you know, uh, uh, whether it's the uh, you know postal service or or other entities like healthcare, uh, you know, it, as someone says, they've never run anything in the black yet. It's always been in the red. And, uh, you know, now for them to get a hold of something else to run in the red and try to uh, give entitlements, you know, and then justify it on the backs of the people. I mean, do you realize that that uh, our forefathers uh, rebelled for far less than this? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it was the Stamp Act and, and one other... Uh, Let's just stop uh, right here and, and make sure that we, we, our people know we're not advocating rebellion against the government. <laughs> <laughs> I just made party. a statement that that's, they, they rebelled for far less than what's going on now. That's all I said. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to gather a following to rebel against the government. We will all meet over at the, uh, <laughs> at the courthouse at 5 o'clock. What do you think the tea parties are? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what they're doing, only they're doing it in a protest form. I mean, they're not taking up arms uh, uh, to uh, go against the government, but they're voicing their displeasure, which we have the right to do. Amen. Amen. Right. We just have to qualify things for the radicals that may tune in. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And there's the share of those around, too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. And one last thought on it. And, folks, I just would encourage you, not only in this regard, on this issue, but um, just uh, in general to remember to pray, to pray about these things. The Bible mm-hmm. teaches us that we should um, pray always and, and everywhere, and, and we should pray for them that are in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So God can still overrule a lot of bad decisions that um, a government makes. And um, that's kind of how I've been praying uh, over the last few years, especially that the Lord would just uh, overrule their bad decisions and um, uh, allow us to be able to continue until he comes to, to live that, that kind of life. And, and that's what we can pray for. That's why he said to pray that way. So I, I repeat it, a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That's what we pray for them that are in authority. Amen. 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 
All right. Well, I think it's time to head back into uh, to our study and and Steve, uh, are you are you about ready? I'm ready. All ready right. as I'll ever be. All right. Well, here you go, Steve. With um, where did King get his wife? Or what's in a generation? Amen. Uh, thanks, guys, for the opportunity. I appreciate it greatly. Uh, this is a, a study, as Eric mentioned, that's been around in my uh, files for quite a number of years and, and uh, bring it out every once in a while just to, to give uh, a little change of pace. You know, we've been doing things, uh, you know, doctoral studies and practical studies of, uh, of various topics, as you can see on the website. But uh, sometimes it's it's good to take a look at something a little bit different. And uh, this, again, it's it's from the Word of God, so I'm not going to stray from that. But, but uh, this is just something a little bit different I want to draw your attention to. Before we go any further, let me, uh, let me bow in a word of prayer and bow with me as we uh, begin this uh, podcast this evening. Father, we're thankful for the time that we have. Thank you, Lord, for the guys and their participation and their love for you and the love for the Word of God. Thank you for those that listen, and I ask God that you'd bless them. Lord, pray that you'd help them to find some things that they're looking for. Pray, God, that they might be challenged by the things that are said. I pray that your spirit would guide and direct and help them, Lord God, to understand the things that are said here on this podcast. Lord, we don't ask them to believe just because we say it. Lord, we ask that they might search the scriptures to find out whether these things are so. And so, Lord, if there's someone here that, that's listening to us, has never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray that something said would trigger uh, conviction in their heart and that they might uh, find, uh, they can even go to the podcast and, and find some, some studies that could show them exactly what a person needs to do to go to heaven. They can know 100% sure if they die today, they go to heaven. Pray that they might... Uh, uh, take advantage of that and, and learn and what it is to be saved. Father, pray that you'd help me to teach this. Lord, fill me with your spirit, I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, like I said, the study is a bit different. Uh, you know, sometimes when we read our Bibles, there are people that are solely looking at their Bible from a devotional standpoint. Uh, just finding out, you know, verses that that speak to them, and and it may be, may not be doctrinally correct, correct, may not be practically correct, but it's devotionally correct, and it helps them through a, a a tough time. There may be people that look at their Bible strictly from a practical point of view of all the nuts and bolts of how they should be a Christian, but there are also other ways to look at it. There's doctrinal way to to read the Bible prophetical way to read the Bible. <laughs> All of the above is necessary for us to, to uh, understand the whole counsel of God. And sometimes when you go through things, you read through things that you just kind of skip over things, uh, especially uh, things like uh, genealogies and so forth. And with that, let me draw your attention and have you turn to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. There are things that I propose to you today, submit to you today, <clears throat> that can be learned 
from a generation, from a genealogy. And uh, that's what I want to try to do. Uh, also in that, as Eric mentioned with the subtitle or with the title, uh, you know, Where Did King Get His Wife? Eventually we'll get to that and we'll try to give you a, a good Bible answer from that and uh, maybe dispel some of those queries of that question. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 it says this. In verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day that they were created. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Now before we <laughs> get started here, let, let me uh, draw your attention back to something that we talked about in, in a podcast earlier. In the fact that, that when God created Adam, he created Adam in his own image. Adam was created in God's image. When Adam fell, which is what we're talking about here, obviously, uh, you know, we had uh, Abel was killed by Cain, and Cain was driven out. And so now God is starting this generation over with a new child, and that child is Seth. But when he gives birth to Seth, notice what it says there in verse 3. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his, in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. <clears throat> Everyone that is born of Adam's seed, which is all of us here on this earth, all mankind, is born in his image, in Adam's image, and not in God's image. That image, uh, God's image, died when Adam partook of the fruit. His spirit, Adam's spirit, died, and that's why he uh, was in sin. God had to make a sacrifice for him and clothed him with the skins of that animal that he sacrificed and forgave him of his sin, but didn't justify him. And uh, that's, again, for another study. <clears throat> but uh, suffice it to say that, that Seth was born in Adam's image. And just a little bit more on that, that's why the second Adam had to come, which is Jesus Christ, to uh, renew that spirit within him, within us. So let us continue on to read, <laughs> and pardon me if I cough some here, just got some stuff that's going down in the back of my throat, and it's causing some problems, so I'm going to try to work through it, if you would please bear with me. Verse 4, and the days of Adam after he begat Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of, uh, that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Now, you say you believe that? I said, yeah, I believe that. I believe Adam lived to be 930 years old. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, that they're coming out of a garden, out of a world that was made perfect. Now the, the ground is cursed, but it's a gradual curse. It's, it's just gradually degrading and going down. And, of course, something's going to take effect that's going to make it go even worse, go even faster. We'll get to that in a few minutes. If you take a look on the, uh, 
on the web page, you're going to find a, a, a link there or a, uh, something you can click into that's going to draw up a, a uh, chart. And it's going to show you a chart there, and it's going to have uh, basically the genealogy. And uh, in that, you're going to see a bunch of names. And uh, what I'd like for you to do, if you would, is to write some of these numbers down. In other words, for the, when Adam was 130 years old, he gave birth to, uh, to Seth. So right uh, in front of Seth's name, if you would put 130, that'll give you an idea of what's going on. <coughs> At the end of the line for Adam, if you put 930, and then subsequently as we go down the list, you're going to start to see some things that are going to be kind of interesting and open your eyes to uh, some truths. So let's go back to verse 6. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years. <coughs> and he begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalil. And Canaan lived after he begat Mahalil 840 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. <coughs> And Mahalil lived sixty and five years and begat Jared. And Mahalil lived after he begat Jared eight hundred uh, and thirty years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalil were eight hundred and ninety and five years, and he died. And Jared lived uh, an hundred and sixty-two years and begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch eight hundred years and begat sons and daughters. <coughs> And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. After that, he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. Uh, and of course, it doesn't say that he died because he didn't. And uh, verse 24, and Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived an hundred and eighty and seven years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech uh, seven hundred uh, <coughs> eighty and two years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were nine hundred sixty and nine years, and he died. Now, just a couple of things here just to, to give you a, an idea. If, you, if you're writing those things down, I know I'm going rather fast, uh, but if you write, start to write those numbers down, you're taking a look at that chart. Uh, what you're going to see is that these guys are living not only just a long time, but their, their lives are overlapping each other. If you were to take a... Uh, a straight edge and put it at 90 degrees from Adam's death mark, which is 930 years old, and ran it down, you would see that, that Lamech 
is alive when Adam dies. Uh, in fact, um, um, where do I have it here? Noah, Noah was born 126 years after Adam dies. That's all, just 126 years. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you take a look at all these things. You've got all these, all these guys, Enos and Canaan, they're all still alive uh, right before the flood. You've got this guy, Methuselah. Methuselah, his name means uh, when he is dead, it shall be sent. That's what his name means. Uh, you've got a fellow here by the name of Enoch. Enoch is raptured 57 years after Adam dies. So Enoch and Adam could be walking together side by side, and Adam could be telling Enoch all of the stories of the garden and what took place before they got kicked out. I mean, you've got, um, uh, like it says here, they, uh, like I have written here, they were contemporaries for 308 years. You know, some interesting things about Enoch. Enoch walked with God, and he was a preacher. If you take a look in Jude chapter 1, Jude, Jude 1, <laughs> there is only one, uh, verse 14 and 15, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these of these, saying, uh, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among, uh, among them of all their ungodly deeds, which have ungodly, uh, they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against. He was a preacher. He's walking along there for 300-some-odd years, 365 years, and he's preaching. He's preaching about the Lord coming back with 10,000s of his saints. Do you realize he's preaching about the second advent of Jesus Christ? Preaching about the second advent of Jesus Christ in the first book of the Bible. Um, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, the reason why I put that verse in there is because Enoch, <clears throat> uh, in your Bible, is a type of the Christian that is raptured out without ever dying. You notice that God took him. And uh, they couldn't find him. He was never found. He just walked and, and had fellowship with the Lord. And, and the Lord said, you want to come home with me? And he said, yeah. And he takes off and he goes and, and he's off of this earth. There had to be someone that would be a type of a person, such as I just, just described, that will uh, be alive when the Lord returns at the rapture and takes those home without ever having died. And Enoch is that type. And, of course, that's what it talks about there, that will deliver us from the wrath to come. That wrath to come is talking about the tribulation, and a rapture takes us out, takes the Christians out before that, that uh, judgment takes place, before the wrath of God falls on them. Like I said, Methuselah means, uh, his name means, when he is dead, it shall be sent. Um, he lives 969 years. 
And, of course, we can go back here and read some of the other things going on here. Um, Methuselah begat Lamech, uh, and Lamech lived uh, 800 and, uh, I'm in verse 28, 802 years, and we got a son, uh, and called his name Noah. Um, wait a minute, I think I read something wrong here. And Lamech lived 180 and two years, and we got a son, there it is, we got a son, and called his name Noah, saying, this same shall comfort us concerning our work and our toil of our hands because the, uh, because of the ground uh, which the Lord hath cursed. Uh, of course, what Noah's name means is rest. And of course, that's what it's describing here in verse 29. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah 595 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were 770 and seven years, and he died. Now, you're going to see some things. If you take this line, uh, we'll get to it in a second. You take this particular line, you're going to find some people died just before an event takes place. And uh, take a look at verse 32. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Of course, that finishes chapter 5, but take a look at some verses here, and, and we'll put something together. In Genesis chapter 6, it says this in verse 3. It says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. So God's telling Noah that, uh, or yeah, telling Noah that, that uh, he's going to judge the world and he's going to give him 120 years before he does it. And you take a look in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 32, and it says this, And Noah was 500 years old, and, uh, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now go to Genesis chapter 7, and notice this, And Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were upon the earth. So what you have is you've got Noah being 500 years old when he uh, <clears throat> when he gives birth to uh, to, to Shem, and um, uh, the flood's coming at 120 years. The flood actually comes in the 600th year of Noah's life. Work that back. Noah knew about the flood 20 years before Shem was born. And he was working on that boat, trying to fix that boat up before Shem was born. Now, you know, if you take a look at something, you realize that Noah was rather a peculiar man. And what I mean by that, I, I know the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and so forth. But he was a peculiar man to the generation that he lived in. Uh, he bucked the system. And he dared to live differently. Uh, he was doing something strange, something different, <laughs> definitely out of the social norms. He was building a boat where there was no water. He was building a very large boat. It wasn't a pleasure craft. It wasn't a fishing boat. It was an extremely large box boat. It wasn't built for anything but carrying things. And uh, 
he did this at the command of God. And um, it was quite a unique thing. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Let me get there. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, let's take a look in uh, verse 7. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness which is of faith. You realize that when Noah was building that boat, he was, as the Bible says, condemned the world. You know, he was just flying in the face of the world. The world was looking at him and thinking that he's crazy, he's nuts. You know, what in the world is he doing? Uh, He's building this boat. There's no water around. You know, what is this guy doing? Um, Take a look in uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse uh, verse 5. It's talking about God and, and, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Not only was Noah, you know, building this boat, but he was preaching righteousness to these folks. And I I believe he was preaching that that judgment was coming. I believe he preached that the only way to escape the judgment was to get on the boat. And he preached, and he preached, and he preached, and he preached. 120 years, and the only converts that he got was, was his own wife, his three sons, and their wives, and they got onto the boat. You know, I guess the thing that I'm trying to do right here is just put a little practical uh, slant to this study, but don't be afraid to live differently than the world. Don't be afraid to, in, in a sense, buck the system because, you know, God has called us to be a peculiar people. And... Um, you know, the world thinks that Christians are nuts, especially Bible-believing Christians, because they don't do a lot of the things that they do. And uh, they like to ridicule them, mock them, make fun of them. <clears throat> but, you know, as Noah was the one that had the last laugh, if you will, uh, the Christians will be the same. You know, the world is headed to hell and the judgment that God has prepared for them, for those that won't receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, just as those that I'm sure mocked Noah for what he did, um, they suffered the, the, the judgment, the cost of judgment. They died. They all died. They all, all died. Don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to be odd to this world. Uh, It's to be un. Let me just say this. After being a Christian for 30 
three years now, something like that. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for being lost for 22 years at all. I wouldn't trade it at all. Uh, it's been great to be saved, and the Lord has treated me very, very good. And uh, living for him, there's nothing like it at all. Nothing like it at all. The, uh, let's, get, let's get on back to this thing a little bit here. Do you realize that there are 10 generations from Adam to the flood? Now, that flood takes place in the 600th year of Noah's life. And right before that flood, Methuselah dies. Remember what we said his name meant? When he is dead, it shall be sent. Of course, that had some implication to the fact that judgment was coming, and that judgment was the flood. You'll find that Lamech, living 777 years old, he dies just before the flood. Now, I'm not going to get into a big, long thing here, but let me just say this and let it suffice to say that seven is God's number of completion, and eight is the number of new beginning. And here you have a man that lives 777 years and he dies, and God's ready to start something over again. And he starts it over with Noah and his sons and their wives. Um, you realize that that flood comes only 726 years after Adam dies. That's less than his lifespan, and, he's, and, and, and the flood comes. There's 10 generations uh, from Adam to the flood. There's 10 generations, which we'll see in a moment, from the flood to Abraham. And that doesn't happen by choice. Do you realize that the Gentile number is, t- uh, is 10, and the number for the Jews is 12, because they have 12 tribes and other things that go along with that. And it's just a lot of interesting things. You realize that Enoch dies at 365 years. It just so happens to coincide with our, with our calendar, 365. Um, just some, some interesting things that take place. Um, let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 11. I want to finish going through these things. And then I want to draw your attention to some some other things here, and then we'll answer the question of where did Cain get his wife. Go to uh, Genesis, excuse me, Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, we'll take a look in, uh, oh, we'll start in verse 10. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 10. <clears throat> These are the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old, and he begat Arphaxad two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he begat Arphaxad 500 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And Arphaxad lived five and 30 years and begat Selah. And after and Arphaxad lived after he begat Selah four hundred uh, and three years, and he begat sons and daughters. And Selah lived uh, thirty years and begat Eber. And Selah lived after he begat Eber 
uh, 403 years and begat sons and daughters. And Eber lived four and 30 years and begat Peleg. And Eber lived uh, after he begat Peleg 430 years and he begat sons and daughters. Now, just a little side note, an interesting thing here for, for uh, uh, Peleg. To go back to Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. Now, just so that you understand, we, we, we kind of went through it a little bit when we said that Noah's name means rest and Methuselah's name means um, uh, when he is dead, it shall be sent. It was a common thing and, and actually a, the way they did things uh, of naming their children after characteristics or events. For example, Esau, when he was born, he was red and hairy all over. And that's what Esau means. It means red. Um, Adam means red-brown. And that's why God called him Adam. Um, Jacob, his name means supplanter. And if you've read anything about Jacob and Esau and the things that took place there, you can well understand why he was named that. Uh, there's another name that's given uh, later on in, in the Old Testament. It's called Ichabod. <clears throat> Ichabod was named. He was, he was born just as the Philistines were taking the ark of God away from the children of Israel. And his name is, uh, means the glory hath departed. Well, when Eber names his son Peleg, his name means division. <clears throat> if you go back to uh, Genesis chapter 10, Genesis chapter 10, take a look in verse 25. And unto Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his day was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Now, I don't know. There's some people that say that this is when the great continental divide took place, when, when uh, you know, America and South America broke off from Europe and uh Africa, and they split off and, and divided and so forth. Some people say that. I don't know. I don't really <laughs> you know what, what happened, but I do know that, it, that the earth was divided in some way, and uh, he named his son after that. Just thought it was interesting to say that. Uh, you know, you have pre-flood, you have post-flood, and then you have post-divide. And I want you to notice that, that uh, the ages of these people uh, decrease. You take a look before the flood, and they're living you know, anywhere between 890 to 900 years old. After the flood, they're living to be, oh, you know, 400, uh, 300, 400, 500 years. After the divide, they're living quite a bit less. They're living 200 all the way down to 175. So something took place in each of those events that caused a reduction in the age. Now, go back to Genesis chapter uh, 11. We'll finish this up. In verse 17, And Eber lived after he begat Peleg 430 years and begat sons and daughters. And Peleg lived 30 years and begat Reu. And Peleg lived after he begat Reu 209 years, and he begat sons and daughters. 
And Reu lived uh, two and thirty years and begat Sureg. And Reu lived after he begat Sureg two hundred and seven years and begat sons and daughters. And Sureg lived thirty years and begat Nahor. And Sureg lived after he begat Nahor two hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And Nahor lived nine uh, and and twenty years and begat Terah. And Nahor lived after he begat Terah a hundred and nineteen years and begat sons and daughters. And Terah lived seventy years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And now these are the generations of Terah, and so forth and so on. Um, go to um, there's one more place. Go to go to Genesis chapter twenty five. You know, in Bible study. Everything's not always wrapped up in a nice little neat little package. Sometimes you have to search for things to be able to find uh, the answers to to what's going on. <clears throat> this will finish up where we're where we're going, and then we'll we'll come back and we'll make some observations and some uh, uh, some comments here. When uh, Genesis chapter twenty five and verse one. Then again, Abraham, this is after Sarah dies. Uh, in verse 1, it says, and uh, then again, Abraham took a wife, and, uh, uh, and her name was Keturah, and she bare him Zimram, and jo- uh, Jokshan, and Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shua, and uh, Jokshan, uh, begat Sheba and Dedan and so forth and so on, and the sons of Midian, Ephah and so forth and so on. And take a look at verse six or verse five. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac, but to the sons uh, of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away for Isaac his son, uh, away from Isaac his son, while he yet lived eastward. Uh, unto the east country. Now, and then it says in verse 7, and, and these are the days uh, and years of Abraham's life, which he lived an hundred, threescore, and fifteen years. Um, that's 175 years. And then Isaac obviously goes on from there. So you have ten generations from Adam to the flood. You have ten generations to, to Abraham. And then Isaac begats Jacob, and Jacob begats the 12 tribes, or 12 sons, which are the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. Now, let's, uh, let's do something here. <clears throat> what, what I'm proposing to do here is, is to answer the question, how many people do you think were alive when the flood came? And uh, I used to do it. A, a little bit differently, and uh, like I was telling the guys beforehand, I think I've thought through this thing a little bit better, and I, hopefully this will make some sense to you. Notice after each one of these people, when they give their life and they give their age after they begat the, the primary son, and they begat sons and daughters, and they begat sons and daughters, and they begat sons and daughters, you know, it says that Adam was 130 years old and begat Seth, and he lived 800 years after that and begat sons and daughters. 
the question that I have for you is how many sons and daughters do you think he could give birth in 800 years? Now, obviously, all 800 wouldn't be, you know, uh, an age where he would be able to give them birth. But, but in the time that he could, how many, how many do you think he could, could uh, give birth to? Um, what I have done is I've taken an average. I've said in 800 years, he could have po- possibly 10. And each child after that having 10. Now, when you multiply that out, the, the problem is, is that, you know, if you have a man and a woman, obviously both of them don't have 10. So what I'm going to do is, as, as what the example is from the Word of God, I'm going to stick strictly with the male as having the children. Obviously, the woman gives birth, but it's, it's the man who, who has the children, and of course, the Bible says that, that they do. So of the 10 sons and daughters that Adam had that we're supposing that he had, five of those are going to be men. And I'm taking that, that average for each generation as they pass on. So <clears throat> the first generation you have, you have 10 being for Adam. And then the next generation, those five men have 10 children. That obviously works out to be 50. Dividing that in half so that you have five men, it comes up to, they each have 10 children, that's 250. And then those, dividing that in half and multiplying that by 10, half of those being men, half of those being women, you come up with 1,250. Doing the same thing through 10 generations, you come up with a number of 19 million 538,250. Now, if you take a look at the chart, there's about seven generations that, um, that, don't, uh, that are dead before the flood come along. So I've worked backwards and added up the generations from Adam all the way to, uh, to Enoch, and I've subtracted those numbers. <laughs> those numbers from one generation being 10 to the seventh generation being 156,250, uh, adding all those generations, those people together, comes up to be 195,310. Subtracting that from the 19 million, you come up with 19,342,940. I hope I'm not losing you here, but let's just take in, uh, you know, murder and sickness and death and and so forth in those generations that you have another 300,000 that die. And that's, that's a conservative estimate. Could be more, could be less. And you realize that this number, that some could be more, some could be less. We're just taking an average. So you have potentially... Before, <clears throat> before the flood takes place, of over 19 million people being alive and God drowning out. Now, you know, some of you might be thinking, well, you know, isn't that kind of harsh? But, you know, when God saw the wickedness of man and all the things that were going on, and uh, we're not going to get in particular, but if you can go back to some of the things that Matt talked about, 
in his Bible study or the podcast that he did, Do Angels Have Wings? You get towards the end of that, and you start hearing some of those things, and it's just, it's just appalling of some of the things that were going on that were happening then and the reason why God chose to, to drown them out. And you have to realize, you have to recognize that God gave them an opportunity to get in the boat, to be saved from the judgment that was to come. You know, the verse comes to mind, uh, the found there, I believe it's in Jeremiah chapter 18, when he talks about the potter, and of course the potter's a reference to the Lord, and the potter says something to the effect, have I not power to do what I will, you know, as far as the potter with the clay? And he does. And, you know, some of the times when you go through things like this and you start seeing some things, you, you realize you start learning some things about God himself in that you find out interesting things about his character and what God will put up with and what he won't put up with. And, you know, when God will say, okay, that's enough. And he's had enough and he says, and he, and he performs some sort of judgment. You know, you just fly right through a, a genealogy like this, and you don't spend really a whole lot of time going through and seeing some of these things. But take a look at that chart again, and I want you to see, if you take a look there at Shem, take a look at his life and where he is, and then take a look at Isaac and Abraham. Now, do you realize that, that Shem is alive after Abraham dies? He came from the other side of the flood, and he's still alive when Abraham dies. In fact, it's very, very close, and I didn't work it out mathematically, but it's very, very close to the time when Isaac dies. And here you have someone that was on the other side of the flood and saw all, all of these things and is able to pass that on to generation by word of mouth. You know, you, you're, you're, you, know you, you hear these excuses or hear these theories that, you know, things get lost when people pass it down from generation to generation to generation to generation, and it gets elaborated on, it gets embellished, and, and all of these things take place. Well, I'm telling you, you know, you've got... Um, Shem's grandfather, Lamech, was alive when Adam was uh, alive. And very possibly, I can't say it for sure, but very possibly could have talked to Adam and found out all the things that went on in the garden, passed that on to Shem, and Shem consequently passes that on to others. You, you, you wonder how Abraham knew to offer animal sacrifices? In, in offering to God? You know, where did he pick that up from? Now, one other thing that I want to do, and, I, and this is kind of odd. I didn't do this back when I gave this Bible study to Eric, and I'm probably not doing a very good job at it as, job at it, as, as it is. It's just struggling here. But instead of counting backwards in the Old Testament like they do, because you use Jesus Christ as the starting point. Post-Jesus Christ, they go upwards in their numbers to the point where we're now in 2010. 
when they go in the Old Testament from Jesus Christ, they move backwards. Well, for whatever reason, and I really can't tell you why, but uh, I was impressed to, to take the numbers as we would do them for our generation going up. So adding uh, the when Seth was born, that's 130 years. And then 105 when Enos was born, that's 235. And then working my way all the way up, I come to Abraham, which is 1,946 years when he's born, 1946. Now, I thought, well, maybe there's something here, you know. The, the nation of Israel was uh, liberated and became a nation again in 1948. And the numbers don't match up. But there's something that took place um, when Abraham was called out of Ur the Chaldees. And, um, you know, yeah, that was when you take a look at it, go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. This is when the nation of Israel began. This is when the nation of Israel began. It begins with Abraham. In chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram, Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Now he makes that trip, and he's 75 years old. You add 75 years to, 19, or to 1,946, and you get 2,021. That's when God started dealing with the nation of Israel. Now, we realize now, if you're a student of prophecy and so forth, that uh, the time of the Gentiles are here. They're in. And the the Lord's not going to come back until uh, uh, the time of the Gentiles are over. And he starts dealing with the nation of Israel again. Romans chapter 11, of course, the whole book of Revelation is about that. Now, I'm not here setting dates, and I'm not trying to say that God's going to come back in uh, 2021, but it sure is a coincidence that that number would come up like that when you have uh, 2021, we're getting close to it, when he starts the nation of Israel and takes them and puts them into a land. And now when the nation of Israel comes back, and he starts dealing with them again, they will come back into the land. And the time of the Gentiles, number 10, 10 generations and 10 generations, all of a sudden that's over, and he starts dealing with the nation of Israel. Now, let's get to the, to the title of this, Where Did Cain Get His Wife? You know, you're dealing with the situation here, and I, and I have to explain a little bit. Notice that the years are quite a bit, quite long there at the beginning. Adam lives to be 930 years old. Seth, uh, 912. <coughs> Enos, 905. Canaan, 910. 
Mahalil, 895. Jared, 962. Uh, Methuselah, 969. That's a long, long time. You know why that, and I assume and presume that the effects of God's created earth were slow in digressing or falling apart. And just a side note, do you realize that the first time any kind of sickness shows up, it shows up with Moses sticking his hand into his bosom and it coming out leprous? There wasn't any sickness that went on before that. You don't ever read any, anything of anybody getting sick. You read about a murder, Cain and Abel, and then others that uh, believe one of uh, Cain's, de- or Cain's descendants kills people and uh, so forth. But uh, you don't read about any sickness going on there. So people are living a long time. In fact, you don't read about anything about incest until you get into the, to the book of the law, the, the Moses' uh, uh, commands to the children of Israel. And uh, it was quite all right for them to take a sister. You realize that Abraham married Sarah, and Sarah was a half-sister to him. And God didn't say anything wrong with that. Didn't say anything wrong with that at all. So where did Cain get his wife? Could have been one of his sisters that Adam uh, begat after he begat Seth. Could have been one of his cousins from one of his other brothers and sisters that had children. Uh, you know, it could have been anywhere, any number, all the way up to 250. Where did Cain get his wife? Uh, it wasn't a hard thing for God. It wasn't a hard thing there. The genetic pool had not dige- uh, degenerated as it has in, in the subsequent years where they had problems in the Virginia mountains, West Virginia mountains, and so forth, and over in, in Europe with the pure bloods and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they didn't have problems back then. It was okay. God gave consent to it. So, you know, there's a lot of things you can learn from a genealogy, and uh, this has been kind of a a rough attempt at it, but hopefully some things uh, have been interesting to you, and that you could see some things that maybe you never would have uh, realized had you just read through the genealogy just to read through it. But take a look at that thing and see who's alive when a particular person dies. Take a look that that Shem and Arphaxad and Selah, and Eber, and all of those guys are alive when Abraham is alive and even dies. Uh, That just blew my mind when I saw that. And you never would have gotten that if you hadn't have broken it down and just taken a look at it. So guys, that's the the, uh, the, uh, podcast for today, and I hope you can make heads or tails out of it. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks, Steve. That that it was interesting and just as interesting as I remembered being from before. And it is pretty cool to see that uh, you know some of these guys were were uh, you know contemporaries that you wouldn't just reading through. You might not think about unless you kind of chart it out like you've done there. And and the chart is on the website. Uh, you can download it and uh, take a look for it yourself and kind of fill in the fill in the numbers there yourselves. All right. What what do you rest of you think? Well, I was just. uh, (laughs) I was waiting for you to come in. (laughs) 
Well, a couple things came into my mind, and, and uh, I guess just practical kind of things. But uh, I just think about how long these uh, these people lasted, you know. And and uh, you look at Enoch, and you look at uh, just so many of these men of God that that lived for so many years. And uh, I heard a statistic a while ago that that the Christian life, I should say, or living for God, really is only about five years. The average is about five years of where you actually live for Him and go to church. Every uh, day that every time the doors are open um, and witness and and uh, things like that, and about after five years, uh, the average is that uh, that Christian will drop off and and probably won't see that person again, um, at least in that capacity of trying to uh, to serve the Lord. And I just think about these guys. I mean, a lot of these guys here. I mean, we're we're serving the Lord for hundreds of years. <laughs> you know, you look at. Noah, he was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years while he was building the ark. And, uh, you know, I mean, you think about, like I think about it, I've only been uh, witnessing for, for five years now, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, it's, it's tough in spots and things like that. But when you look at uh, Noah preaching for 120 years and, and not winning anybody but his own family, and, uh, and I guess a big thing that I thought about that was, you know, it's just we shouldn't give up. You know, we shouldn't give up and, and think, oh, well, I've done enough now. You know, I've been serving for 10 years. I should just uh, kind of sit back and let the youngsters do it now or, you know, something like that. But, but uh, it also made me think, too, about here's, here's uh, Noah preaching. Um, and so many of them that preached, uh, you know, like, like I said before, Noah preached for 120 years and, and didn't have any really converts at all uh, from the outside world other than his family. And, uh, and so many people today, you know, they say, well, you know, door knocking doesn't work anymore and, and uh, open air preaching on the streets or wherever doesn't work anymore. We got to do it different ways with music and all things like that. But God never, you know, sanctioned music to, to win anybody to the Lord or, or anything like that. It just exactly what uh, Noah did was street preach. And uh, I think about Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 27, where it says, where God's talking to Jeremiah, and he says, Therefore thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to thee. Thou shalt also call unto them, but they will not answer thee. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. And I just think that applies perfectly to us today as well. I mean, we're a nation here, even just in America, that, that our mouths are far from God. And, uh, you know, we need more preachers of righteousness, and we need to... Uh, uh, keep living for the Lord, no matter how many years he tarries. Hey, Amen, Matt. Going along with that reminds me of um, Ezekiel, what the Lord had commissioned him to do when he told him to to go and do to preach to them. And he said it this way. He said, uh, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. And so he said it specifically in Ezekiel 2.7 again, and thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. Right. And uh, a little bit later on, he'd say, um, you go ahead and tell them that, and when it's all said and done, um, they're going to know that a prophet has been among them. Amen. So, yeah, w- w- it is our job to to preach the Word. As I listen to um, Brother Steve uh, go through that, I'm reminded again of uh, the importance of what Jesus said, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And that uh, study like that certainly punctuates that truth. Um, There's so many places in the scriptures people want to pass over because uh, they're a little bit more, uh, let's just face it, and you've thought it, 
uh, people boring, right? <laughs> not all. Not all of it's as exciting as David and Goliath and Daniel uh, in the lion's den and, and Noah in the ark and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. Uh, there's some stuff in there that reads more like a technical manual, and um, but but it's all good and it's Amen. all the word of God mm-hmm. and the Lord put it all in there for for our uh, our benefit. Mm-hmm. And uh, as uh, I remember the first time I, we had the opportunity to, I, I had the opportunity actually to hear this um, in one of our uh, prison Bible studies when Brother Steve brought it and um, got a chance to see him draw the uh, chart out on the chalkboard. And, and what struck me again, I think Brother Eric had mentioned this, was just to look and, and see right before your eyes as he laid that thing out, um, how that uh, the lives of some of these people that that we would have distanced from each other they actually uh, overlapped and um, and that's a good way to to learn the Bible. Sometimes as you're studying it for yourself, it's good to just uh, draw some charts or write down some notes and, and try to sketch the thing out and follow it along and uh, then then uh, check out what you come up with uh, with scripture. And a lot yeah. of good um, a lot of good Bible teachers did it that way. Uh, Clarence Larkin uh, comes to my mind and. Uh, he he tried to illustrate things with charts, and I, I have to believe that probably he started out by doing it just to keep his own thoughts in orders, uh, or to, to put down um, on paper what he saw and, and and just keep track of it. But amen. Um, so Steve, just looking, uh, look, I'm looking closer at this chart, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and are we following that bottom line? As uh, that's the length of the. The time that person lived, right? Uh, yes. The name that ha- the line that has their name on it is is their lifespan. Yes. So, and I know we just lost Pastor Strobel off of Skype. I'm going to have to try and ring him back in here in a minute. But looking at so, if I look at this chart, I've got it turned around here where you can see it. So, is you're looking at Noah as also being a, a contemporary there of of Abraham? Yes, absolutely. That's pretty amazing. Yes, it is. You know, think about that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Excuse Unbelievable. me. Skype me. All right, let me let me let me bring Pastor Strobel back in here. He's trying. He's trying to call me. <laughs> All right, let me. Uh, let me hang up from him. Reject it. Yeah, reject it. Okay. And uh, I might do some editing, and then again, I might not. I might just play this. <laughs> I might just play this through. The technical difficulties of a podcast. Hello, welcome to Skype call testing service. <laughs> oh, beep, no. Record a message. This is Afterwards, edited. The message will be played back to you. Right, well, hung, thank you, lady. I hung her up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me try that again. Uh, let's see. We need to get an accent like that. Yeah, that's a pretty cool accent, really, isn't it? Yeah. Live in Australia. <laughs> there you go. Move there for a few years. Where is this thing at? Oops. Okay. Sometimes I get uh, I get a little lost looking at all these things. All right. There he is. Did everybody get off, or did you just lose me? Just you. you okay. You got disconnected. So anyway, we were we were just uh, we were just talking about the chart again, and and how Noah was also a contemporary of Abraham. Yep, which is which is pretty amazing, you know. This 
This chart is pretty cool. And I couldn't help but uh, look at my uh, reference Bible here. And as you were talking about, uh, is it Peleg? Yeah. Yes. Back in, uh, let's see, where was it? Um, well, it's Genesis 10 and Genesis 11. Yeah. 10 is the one where it talks about the land divided. Right. Yeah, a, and, you, uh, and you said it might have been the division of the uh, land masses. Well, mm-hmm. Any thoughts about it might have been also the division of the nations at the Tower of ba- uh, Babel? Um, it, that is a, a real good possibility. I haven't run the generations to see how they coincide mm-hmm. with uh, Genesis 11, um, you know, with uh, Nimrod and so forth. I guess the thing would be to run through uh, Ham's uh, genealogies and run those through and see where Nimrod falls. I mean, you have um, in Genesis chapter 10, verse 6, the sons of Ham, Cush, Mizram, Put, Canaan, and then the sons of Cush, and then Cush begat Nimrod, so he'd be fairly early. Uh, but still would have been alive during that time. So uh, it's real, real good possibility that that, that could be it too. Mm-hmm. You see where I'm at in there in Genesis chapter 10, mm-hmm. verses 6 through, uh, 6 through 10? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yep, that's a, that's a good possibility. I mean, you know, there's some people, I, and like I said, I, I don't know that I'm really convinced one way or the other. There are some people that say that it's the Continental Divide. Uh, others, again, say suggest what you suggested, that the, the people were divided. Mm-hmm. So, Either way, it's, it's, just, it's just pretty neat to see, the, uh, to see all these people, you know, living at these different times of these events as well, you know, the flood and other things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've really come a long way, baby, <laughs> when you look at how little lifespan we have compared to these people. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, again, I mentioned this in the, in the podcast, but you see the, the length of time that they lived before the flood mm-hmm. and then just after the flood. And then after Peleg, when things divide, then the life, lifespans really start dwindling down and of course then you get to David where you know it's uh, three score and ten or strength of whatever and and uh, four score 80 years old um, you know obviously there are some people that that kind of beat that you know live up a hundred plus but those are extremely rare mm-hmm. um, but then again once the curse is lifted in Revelation, they're going to start. Uh, not Revelation in the millennium. Mm-hmm. They're going to their lifespan is going to increase again. Mm-hmm. So it has to do with the curse of the earth and how you know it's gradually gotten worse and worse. And uh, if it weren't for medicine, you know, and the advances in medicine and and what they've been able to do to prolong life, uh, I would almost think it, <laughs> it would get shorter. <laughs> we just. That that whole thing reminds us too that God created man to live. He didn't create him to die. Yeah. And um, one day, uh, because of His redemption, uh, we're going to live forever, Amen. and we're going to have a body that can um, exist that long. This mortal, 
going to put on immortality, and this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. Glory to God. All right. Well, thanks again, Steve. Amen. that, That was good. Amen. Now there's the there's the exit music. Yeah. All right. We got to start singing. <laughs> Steve is Steve's probably the only one that can get away with that. <laughs> oh no. We'll do something. You got the you got the podcast, right? Or not the podcast, the uh, blowout thing? Yeah, I do. I should put that up. I should with, put uh, put the my boys and I yeah, we got a chance to sing there. I don't know if I've talked to you since then. Man, that was good. I wish I'd been there to hear that. That was a lot of fun. That you know the the mics that we sing from are picking up the guys that are out in the uh, auditorium and some of them are getting a little excited and Yeah, it's good. There, there was a lot more than what it sounded like. <laughs> it was it was pretty fun. Was when good. did you sing? Was it uh, Sunday night? We sang Sunday night uh, right before the the last preacher. And uh, uh, you know, I don't think uh, you know the song leader kind of knew who we were and was kind of leery and said, "Well, okay, we'll put you on here." So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a lot of fun. Doc Doc got up there and said a few things after done. You know, and, uh, uh, they were just saving the best for last. Uh, it, was, <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun. It, it'd been thirty years since I sank there the last wow. time. Amen. Alrighty, guys. Lord willing, we'll see everybody next time. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless. Trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous meet in the skies. Going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon. Morning or night or noon. Many will will meet their doom. Trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous be in the skies. Going where, going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on. You're just talking. You read that in the newspaper someplace.